Podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports, bottom of the hour. We'll take a deep dive into the Big 12. Uh, but right now, speaking of deep dives, off we go to the cap man joining us live. Uh, he interrupts his vacation to spend a few minutes with us. We're grateful for that, Cappy. That's above and beyond the call of duty, but we expect none, uh, nothing less from you. How are you, pal? going on boys how we doing good good to talk to you thanks for coming on cap well you know what i want to start with you and maybe kind of unfair to ask you this um because obviously your your uh tenure at nbc sports and covering the cubs etc etc just your thoughts on the first couple of days cappy of the marquee network i'm not so sure how much you've seen of it um just your thoughts uh, not even a week into the venture i've seen exactly zero of it okay I don't get it at my house Oh no, Comcast. Oof. So, other than what I've caught a little bit on social media, and I have not tweeted since I went on vacation, and I yep, won't. Right? Uh, haven't seen a single, seen a single thing other than I think the gender reveal that David Bodie did. So oh, that was good. Yeah, that, that, that was, was good. good. Cappy, that has to be a huge story, though. You being amongst many that don't have the new Marquee Network inside their household, big story continues. I'm sure over there. Yeah, it's huge because, you know, I didn't leave on vacation till Sunday morning. They played on Saturday night, but I couldn't watch the game. So, yeah, absolutely that's a pain in the neck for me and for many others. I still believe they'll get a deal done with Xfinity at some point, but that's like 47 levels above my pay grade. So <laughs> maybe they won't. I mean, this guy who did this Moneyball 2, Moneyball T-O-O documentary, on the Dodger TV network has reached out to me and said, I'm telling you, you guys have no idea what you're headed for. Mm. He said, I see it being part two of the Dodgers. I don't. I'll just be very surprised if it's not on. Look, I chose not to go there, and I'm thrilled with my decision. I love where I work. I do. Um, But in the end, if they have the Cubs games and the Cubs are playing People are going to watch. It's mm-hmm. Chicago Cubs. <laughs> it is what it is. My channel has three really good you know, franchises, maybe not the best teams right now. I think the Sox are certainly trending in the right direction, but the Bulls and Blackhawks are not. Mm-hmm. Still in all, if you're a Chicago sports fan, you're going to get NBC Sports Chicago because three of your teams are on there. The Bears don't have local TV because everything in the NFL is national. And then you'll probably get marquee if you're a Cubs fan. If you're not a Cubs fan, maybe you won't. But in the end, I still think they'll have the games. And in the end, I think people will still pay attention to both channels. Uh, David Kaplan is our guest Centurion Stone of Iowa. Uh, makes it possible for us to have Cappy every week. We're grateful to them for that. Cappa, one of your colleagues who was at least uh, left behind uh, when they moved over to Marquee, Kelly Crow landed on her feet. Off she goes to Atlanta. She's going to be working uh, for uh, whoever, the, uh, what, whoever the network is that covers the Braves. But point being is uh, she wasn't out of work uh, long, Cap. No, I had a great talk with Kelly. She's a dear friend and always will be. Love her dearly. Uh, and the Braves made a great hire. 
Uh, she is going to ingratiate herself into that locker room very quickly. The players will trust her. She understands the line of what she can report and what she can't, and not everyone in that role does. Mm-hmm. You know, they say things that violate the trust that some of the players show in them. Uh, Kelly's a pro at that. And so I think Marquis made a, again, I don't know Taylor McGregor at all. I'm sure she'll be great. This has nothing to do with her. Mm-hmm. But I think Marquis made a very poor decision not hiring Kelly because Kelly and those players had a special bond and she was able, she knows David Ross very well. She would have been a great asset to them, but that's their call, not mine. Speaking of David Ross, he's got uh, certainly decisions in front of him, though he missed that first game out with the flu. Roster construction, the way the lineup really sits more than anything, I think we have a pretty good read of what the roster is going to look like, but Everyday lineup against a standard right-handed starting pitcher, no goofiness there. What kind of lineup would you be trotting out there, Cappy? What would be your suggestion to David Ross? Well, it sounds like he's locked in on Chris Bryant being the leadoff guy Mm -hmm. and Anthony Rizzo in the two-hole, and I'm fine with that. You know, I think Chris is a wonderful hitter. I don't know if he's the run producer that maybe we all thought he was in 2016, but he gets on base at a 382 clip a year ago, and I think he can be better than that when he's healthy. Anthony is great with back control and choking up on two strikes. Uh, and then if you go on to go righty, lefty, righty, lefty, so now you put Javi in the three-hole and you put whoever you want in the four-hole, Schwarber, Schwarber. or Hayward, yeah. probably Schwarber. I would have Schwarber in the four-hole. I would have Contreras in the five-hole and then Hayward Hayward's in the six. six-hole. Yep. And then figure out what I'm going to do at second base. Is Jason Kipnis going to be in there? Is Ian Happ going to be in there? Is Albert Almora going to be in there? And then you got your pitcher in the nine hole. I would want more of a set lineup than Joe did. I would probably want Chris Bryant. If I had my druthers, I would rather see them make a trade and get more pitching and put Chris Bryant in the outfield and then figure out what I'm going to do at third base. I don't think David Bodie's an everyday third baseman on a championship team, but you know, try and figure some way out to play Chris the majority of the time in the outfield where I think he'd be a plus defender as opposed to third base where the metrics, simply the metrics say he's a below average defender. Uh, David Kaplan is our guest. Kaplan, we'll get to the White Sox in a second. Uh, last year when the team broke, uh, when the tree, when the team came north, Ian Happ was, was sent to Des Moines. Is there, and I don't know if I want to call that a shocking move, but it seemingly caught most people off guard. Is there, is there a move, a similar move at the end of spring training that's going to make us at least think, uh, wow, didn't see that one coming? Who would that player be, maybe, that's in a real fight? Is it Almora? I would think it's probably Albert Almora. Now, he got off to a quick start, but again, it's two games of spring training. So, you know, where Albert heads from there will remain to be seen. Ian Happ's the same thing. Is he going to be the guy that looked like he was really hitting well at the end of the 2019 season or the guy that really struggled in spring training last year and ended up in the minors for a lot longer stint than I think he ever expected that he would. Uh, those would probably be two guys. And is Jason Kipnis mm. the guy who got a minor league deal with no guarantee? Or is Jason Kipnis the guy that Joe Madden said was the most dangerous hitter on the 2016 Indians and he's just been injured? So you know, those are probably the questions there. And then who's your bullpen? Which guys are you really relying on in a high-leverage situation you're playing in late September and the down to the you know eighth inning and you're up three to one or three to two and there's men on. Is Kyle Ryan really good or is Kyle Ryan not really good? He was pretty good last year. Is he that guy or 
the guy that nobody really believed in prior to last year, is the two wicks, Brad, the lefty, mm-hmm. and Rowan, the yep. righty, are those two guys the guys that nobody really gave a chance to and they actually had really good years in 19, or are they back to the guys that nobody really gave a chance to? So there's a lot of questions in that bullpen for me. Expectations certainly big for Craig Kimbrell after the deal he signed a year ago. Came in late, obviously, as he had that draft pick attached to him, but it was not a good year. 6.53 ERA, had 13 saves, whip over 1.6. Cappy, is this Craig Kimbrell? Maybe not at that bad level here, but are we ever going to see the guy that we saw in Boston, in Atlanta? Is that guy ever coming back? Well, I mean, he was not great in the World Series in 2018. Let's not forget that. true. So down the stretch in the World Series, I think they used Chris Sale in a couple of high-leverage situations. So was that the the precursor to the struggles we saw last year, or was that just a guy a little tired at the end of 2018 and then no spring training and came in and really just never hit his groove last year? And now that he's had a whole offseason to train and go to spring training and work in the Cubs pitch lab, is he that guy? I can't answer that for you. But if he has a bad year this year, well, then they basically wasted $43 million mm. in market money, and that would be another bad signing by the front office. So time will tell on that one. They need him to be really, really good because this division is up for grabs. This division is winnable. The Cardinals did not do anything really to improve themselves. The Pirates went backwards. Yep. Are the Reds good enough? I don't know. They've had you know a lot of down years, mm-hmm. but they certainly spent money. But are those you know, impactful, unbelievable moves, that remains to be seen. And then the Brewers didn't do anything and actually have gone backwards. So this division is there to be won. I just don't know if the Cubs have enough pitching. I will tell you the other thing I would consider doing if I was Theo, you guys know I'm not a huge Quintana guy. Nice man, wonderful person. But with Luis Severino going down, and i got to get under that luxury Hmm. pass so I can reset the penalties, what would it take to get them to take the $11.5 million of Quintana? I'm not so much worried about what I get back. I need something right. to take all that money, and now I've got a little bit of flexibility. Hmm. NBC Sports Chicago has the White Sox cap. Uh, Grandal is, is uh, hurt to begin spring training. Giolito, I think he's throwing bullpens, but that's somewhat of a concern. I'm not sure the division's winnable because the Twins are the Twins after all, but they're certainly. I think the White Sox are going to push them. What have you heard as far as early in camp uh, when it comes to the White Sox? They Everybody's really fired up. They really like how the White Sox look. I know they had a couple or three nagging injuries. Grandal had something. You had a Gio Gonzalez barking shoulder. You had Lucas Giolito with a bit of an oblique based on the flu that he had, and he got dehydrated and felt something when he was throwing. So it sounds like from everyone I've talked to there, not a big deal. They're going to be fine. Team's got a lot to prove. They have not been over 500 since 2012. That's a long freaking time. So... It's great to have the arrow pointing up. It's great to have everybody all excited. But at some point, you've got to have production over potential. And I think this is a year where they should be mid-80s and wins, and people should be really fired up. Signed a couple of uh, guys to extended deals. Bummer, youngster, out of the bullpen, 26 years old. Also, Garcia. Looked like pretty team-friendly control there for a couple of years for not guys that are going to turn into superstars, but nice pieces, pieces that you need in a 26-man roster. Yeah, they've done an amazing job, whether it's locking up Luis Robert, 
whether it's locking up Aloy Jimenez, mm-hmm. Aaron Bummer, Leary Garcia, that's like a David Bodie type deal. That's small and it's not a key piece. It's just a nice But he can play a lot of he can play a lot of positions, Cap. No question about it. No question about it. So give Rick Hahn a ton of credit and conversely, much as I love Theo and Jed, and if I owned a team I'd want those guys running my front office, who have they gotten to sign extensions hmm. since Rizzo and Castro did it back in two thousand thirteen? They got Kyle Hendricks. And they got David Bodie. They haven't got anybody else. You're telling me, and maybe that'll change when we hang up. We'll hear they signed Baez and Contreras, but you can't get any of these core guys signed up. Come on, that's it. I can't believe that. And if you can't, you seriously have to look and go, guys. Guess what? We've got two years left, and then they walk for nothing, zero. And it's not like the Nationals who just lost Bryce Harper. The Cubs would lose at the end of 21. Rizzo, Baez. Bryant, Schwarber, all those guys, gone for nothing. So I still think we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. The core walking out the door. Well, uh, speaking of uh, speaking of front office staffs, I'm guessing if you own the Bulls, or maybe you would, uh, Foreman and Paxson uh, might not be long for their roles. And are they are they safe, Cappy? I mean, what, the fan base can they take another disappointing winter like they're going through through now with this Bulls team? Sooner or later, Paxson or Foreman or both of them, and they might be uh, joined at the hip, have to pay a price, don't they? Well, I think what you're going to see happen, and I told you guys this back in late November, and I've been screaming it from the rooftops of my radio and TV shows, I think what you're going to see happen is that the Bulls are already quietly doing their homework on other executives in the league, and if they get the right guy, and the right guy right now that they want is Sam Presti, who's the general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, he's signed to a long, long deal, 10 years. He's very close with the owner. And what I was told by someone in the league was the owner told him, look, I'm not letting you out of this deal unless it's New York, Chicago, or L.A. If you want to play on that stage, you've been great to us. I will let you go. Now, in the end, will he let him do that? I don't know. They've also done homework on Chad Buchanan. He's the general manager under Kevin Pritchard in Indiana, and he's done a really good job. So there's you know some names out there. I think there is no scenario, none, that John Paxson will not be part of the organization in some way, shape, or form. I think what they'll do, they'll farm Gar Foreman out even farther. You don't hear from him anymore anyway. I think you'll see Gar Foreman scouting, and mm-hmm. you won't hear from him. I think John Paxson, if the right guy comes in, and for me that right guy is Sam Presti, uh, if the right guy comes in, then he will be like the executive assistant or whatever to Michael and Jerry Reinsdorf. And he will step aside, and Sam Presti will have full authority to do whatever he wants to do. Now, Sam Presti says, no, I I like where I'm at. I'm out, and they can't get somebody of note. I'm talking about like when Theo walked in, cachet. Sam Presti may not have a title. He's got cachet. He has. Uh, If they get some, Masai Ujiri has one year left on his deal. The Bulls said, all right, we're going to give you whatever the compensation package is, and we're going to pay you. Five years, ten million a year, fifty million dollars, which is probably the going rate now for a top top president of basketball operations. That's what Theo makes in baseball. If they get the right guy, I'm telling you, John Paxson will step to the side and go do what you need to do. Hmm. Yeah, Raptors don't want to give up uh, Masai, no doubt about it. Hey, Cap, last thing. I know you're on vacation, and I don't know if you've been. Did you see Michael Jordan? And and if you did, at, oh, yeah, at the Kobe Memorial. 
Uh, I mean, you know him as well as as media, I guess, was allowed to get near him during his tenure there. Was this a different side of Michael Jordan? Had we seen that before? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been around Michael a lot. I've played golf with him a couple times. Uh, I think he's awesome. I do. I was so elated that he chose to open himself up like that. Now, I don't know how he could have possibly not done that, mm-hmm. but you can be put in that situation and not knock it out of the park, and Michael knocked it out of the park. I, how Vanessa Bryant oh, did what she did, right. I have zero idea, because I feel like I do this for a living like you guys do, and if you put me in front of a microphone, I think I could accord myself reasonably well. What she's gone through mm-hmm. and what she did, for me, that was just unbelievable, but Michael was also amazing. Indeed. Cap, let's get back to vacation. Thank you for doing this for us. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, guys. Have a wonderful day. Anytime. I always love talking sports with you. Thanks, Cappy. We'll do it in a week's time. David Kaplan joining us uh, from uh, NBC Sports Chicago and ESPN 1000. Centurion Stone of Iowa. If you're looking for manufactured or natural stone to accent or update your exterior or interior project from any of any size, Centurion Stone of Iowa. Variety of styles, patterns, and colors. Over 200 color and pattern combinations. Check them out online. Centurion Stone of Iowa. Com, centurionstoneofiowa.com once you've done that you'll want to visit the showroom 5525 northeast 22nd street in des moines centurion stone of iowa presents david kaplan matt poston's on the big 12 is trent right it's a theory baylor in kansas you didn't use the term paper tigers no because i don't believe that i think these are good teams but i i think it bears a conversation because of the rest of the league, Texas Tech, what Beard's done with this team, that is not a talented team. No. And you watch them Young. at times and they look hideous. Texas, inconsistent. Oklahoma, up and down. Where's the, where's the hideous commercial? What's, what's the hideous? You look hideous. Oh, the, the, state, the state farm. She sounds hideous. Oh, she, that's right. She sounds hideous. Wearing khakis. Yeah, yeah wearing khakis. <laughs> yeah, I watch too much TV. But you must evidently do because you pulled that one. I like the word hideous. It's, it's, it's a good one to yeah. throw around there. This Big 12 maybe hit Because we've talked about the Big 10. The way the seeding works out, maybe two or three teams is all make it to the Sweet 16 mm-hmm. out of the 10 that get in. Oh, what a bad year for the conference. Well, it's just kind of where these teams fall in. If only one of the two even get to the Sweet 16 out of the Big 12, what are we saying then mm. about the conference as a whole? It, just something to chew on here a little bit on a Wednesday in late February. All right, to Miller and Jake from State Farm. Back after these messages, we will have Matt Postens uh, from Heartland College Sports. We'll do some football, some combine stuff as well. A lot of Big 12 guys showing their stuff in Indianapolis as we take you up until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.0. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. I had to take a deep dive into the Big 12, Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. If you're a Big 12 fan, I'm assuming you know of that site. Do terrific work over there covering uh, the Big 12 Conference. A conference trend that I just saw on our Twitter uh, is now the analytics, analytics rated it the second uh Number two in college basketball behind the Big Ten? Behind the Big Ten, yeah. The Big Ten Conference, Lisa Ken Pomeroy, is number one, 17.47 rating. The Big 12 jumped ahead of the Big East, though, by decimal points there, but uh, jumped ahead 
Would you say that, that the Big 12 is the second best conference in the country mm. behind the Big East? Because we know Baylor's really good. We know Kansas is really good. But three through 10, that's where I struggle. If, if Iowa State is in, and they still have a chance to finish fourth in that conference, based on their body of work, mm-hmm. I would say no, but analytics say differently. Matt Poston joins the program. Matt Trenton, Ken Hartland College Sports is where you can read Matt as well as other places. Good to speak, does to speak with you. How are you? Are you there, Matt? Yeah, I'm here. Ah, good to talk to you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, appreciate it. You know, I guess we're trying to, I'm not, we're not trying to, Trent's theory this morning was, are we certain that Kansas and Baylor are, um, are going to be the factor that most that the rankings say that they're going to be once we get into the NCAA tournament. And we look at, you know, we look at West Virginia seemingly going the other way. Texas Tech, that shocked me last night that they got pounded the way they did against Oklahoma. Uh, Iowa State, who's had, by all accounts, a, a, a really disappointing year, still have a chance to finish fourth, believe it or not, uh, in this conference. They have to win their last three, but there's certainly three winnable games. Even West Virginia, the the way they're playing right now, Oklahoma State and K-State are bottom feeders. Uh, where are you on the, on the Big 12 uh, as far as where they belong in the pantheon of college hoops? Well, I think I still think that they're one of the two or three best conferences in college basketball. You mentioned the Big East. I, I think the Big East is definitely a deeper conference at the top this year than the Big 12 has become. Uh, I think you can include the SEC in the conversation, but I think they're also a little bit top-heavy when it comes to uh, the gap between their top teams and the middle-tier teams. Uh, This year, I mean, Kansas and Baylor have simply outclassed everybody in the conference. When you consider that their only losses in the league are to each other, and both of those losses were at home, I think it speaks to the quality that Kansas and Baylor have been able to put on the floor this year. As for the rest of the conference, I'm, I'm kind of asking myself the same questions you guys are. How many teams are going to get into the NCAA tournament you know, after those two? And I think Tech and, and West Virginia are going to get in. Uh, does Oklahoma deserve to be in? Can Texas surge and find a way in? And then the Big 12 tournament in a couple of weeks, you know, that first day, uh, that's the 7-10 and 8-9 games. You know, we typically don't focus on those, but those games could actually be meaningful to teams like TCU or uh, Texas or even Oklahoma State if they're playing that first day because they may be playing for a spot in the NIT, and they'll need to have a 500 or better record in order mm-hmm. to do that. So um, it's a very intriguing you know, chunk of teams after Texas Tech because they're all 7-8 and eight or worse, and really that, that seventh spot in the tournament that right now belongs to TCU, they're only a game behind Texas and West Virginia and Oklahoma. So that, that – Spot is very much in flux. Another thing that I noticed, and I t- remember talking about this with Ken probably about a month ago, the Big 12 right now is ranked 30th in the country for conferences out of 31 in tempo. It's a much slower pace than certainly we've been used to mm-hmm. with the Big 12. Now, this isn't Big 12 football we're talking about with wide open offenses, and there's very good defensive teams throughout the years. It's a different conversation, but to be that low in terms of tempo, the tight possessions that you see over the course of the game came as a surprise to me. How about you, Matt? Any, any reason you think behind that, why these teams as a whole and the conference as a whole is playing at such a slow tempo? Yeah, I, I think some of it's the defense. Obviously, you have three or four of the best defensive teams in the country in this conference between Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that defense has the ability to tend to slow things down. I think, you know, generally speaking, I think shooting percentage is down, especially from the three-point line. 
uh, that keeps scores down, and that uh, I think that forces teams to uh, you know think about those possessions a little bit more than they might otherwise. And, and there's nobody that's really playing like a, a fast breaking style of basketball in this conference right now. You know, Oklahoma really wanted to push the tempo when they had Trey Young two years ago. Uh, Kansas really wanted to push the tempo last year because they didn't have a lot of depth, but they, but they were really guard driven. Uh, this year, there haven't been a lot of serious major season ending injuries within this conference that have really kind of influenced how teams play. So I think teams are playing the way they want to play. I think they want to play where they use the shot clock a little more, uh, where they want to keep scores down, where they want to put an emphasis on defense. And I think all of those factors have combined to make this you know, one of the lower scoring seasons we've seen in Big 12 basketball in quite some time. It's still exciting basketball as far as I'm concerned, but I think it also explains in part why we don't see a lot of close games in this conference right now. Um, you know, I, I did some research a few weeks ago, and I think you know, two of the first 20 games were decided by one possession, and that really hasn't changed that much. And I think uh, mm. those factors plus the gap between you know Kansas and Baylor and the rest of the conference kind of also explain that, too. I want to move to Texas with you, Matt. Matt, Matt Postens, or uh, Heartland College Sports is our guest. Is Shaka Smart saving his job here as we come into the final uh, uh, 10 days or so of uh, of conference play. They've won three straight. They've Look, I, Trent and I talked about this yesterday. When when Texas went to West Virginia, went out to Morgantown oh, a month, five weeks ago, they quit. I mean, I, I don't see how I could watch that basketball game any other way and come away with, you know, this team just quit on Shaka Smart. They were pathetic. Then they, they get West Virginia in their building and really never gave the Mountaineers a chance. They had them down the entire game would win would win the game by 10 there's postseason now on the line and it's it's realistic postseason for Texas is Shaka smart saving his job uh I think it's very possible uh I, I think that what the administration is going to look at after the season is a how does the season conclude does Texas make the NCAA tournament do they make the NIT for the second straight year if they make the NCAA tournament do they win a game so there's going to be the competitive piece of that they're going to look at the recruiting, which Smart has done a very good job of the last few years. And then they're also going to look at his buyout. It's $10 million. Right. And it's not just $10 million to buy out his contract. It's however million dollars it is to sign mm-hmm. a new coach to come to Austin and potentially pay their buyout if they're already currently employed. So there's a financial calculus there. And I know with Texas, it's like, well, they got money. Yeah, well, the boosters are also paying for a new arena. They're paying for new contracts for the football staff. So there's there's other machinations than just saying, hey, a booster can pay for it uh, that goes into that. I kind of feel like the way they played the last three games is the way they should have been playing all season. And I, I've said all along, when this team shoots well from the outside, when they shoot well from the three, they win games because that's their strength. Their guard play has been their strength. And without Jericho Sims on the floor the last couple of games, they've really had to lean on their guards to get things done. I think that if they continue to lean on the guards, they continue to shoot well, and they start inserting this press in a little bit more that they've been using these past couple of weeks. I think there's a chance they could win two of their last three, maybe win a game in the Big 12 tournament, and maybe sneak into the NCAA tournament. And I think that goes a long way towards saving his job. But I wouldn't say it's totally safe just yet. Matt Postens, Heartland College Sports here on Miller and Condon on KXNO. Matt, uh, the other t- team in that equation that we saw Monday night against Texas, West Virginia, they've lost five out of their last six. The computer numbers still look really good, but... What's going wrong with this Mountaineer squad? 
I, I just don't think they're a very good offensive team. And I think that the way they played at home in January kind of masked that a little bit. Their, their issues are really this. One, they're not a very good outside shooting team. They've, you know, Bob Huggins has tried pushing Tad Sherman out there, Miles McBride out there, Chase Harler, all the other guards that they have. And, and they just have them inconsistent shooting the basketball, especially from the three point line. They're a really good inside team with the Shibwe and Culver, and even with Jermaine Haley driving to the basket. They, they do a really good job scoring within 10 feet of the basket. They just don't have the perimeter game they've had in past years. And then I think the other problem they have is that they really don't have a legitimate point guard. That's got to be the thing that Bob Huggins and his staff goes out and finds, either via transfer or, or recruiting next year. They've got to have a person that can that handle that ball in the last few minutes of the game. And you really saw it in the overtime loss to TCU. I was waiting to see, okay, who's going to who's gonna be the guy that steps up, handles the ball, runs the offense, and it just kind of bounced around from guy to guy. And if you're going to be a team that is going to be competitive in this conference in the Big 12, you have to have a guy that can be that guy down the stretch. Kansas has that in Devin Dotson. Baylor has that in Jared Butler. Uh, Texas Tech has that in Jamius Ramsey. Now they've kind of found that over the last month. West Virginia doesn't have that. So it really boils down to the fact that they're just a really inconsistent offensive team, especially when they're away from home. Is there, and I guess back to the coaching changes theme that I'm on here, uh, is there one this offseason in the Big 12? I'm not so sure that there is, Matt. Uh, if you're talking about um, coaches getting fired or let go, right. I think Smart might be the only one that goes. If you're talking about another school coming to get a coach... Or Dixon may be looking around like he did last year? Uh, it's, it's possible. I mean, you know, he'll, he's never, you know, copped to saying he was looking around, but I think he was obviously <laughs> a candidate for that job out in, in LA. Um, I think he likes being in TCU. I think he likes being in Fort Worth. I mean, that's where he went to school, yep. but, um, you know, he'd be one of those coaches that I think a bigger job would be interested in just because even with as, as badly as they've played here in February, they're still in contention for a postseason berth that they can just stay above 500. I think they can slip into the NIT. But obviously, you know, depending upon the job opening up, you know, there could be opportunities for guys like Dixon and other coaches to move on. But, you know, the thing is, for me, for this conference, it's got to be a really good job. It can't just be like, you know, Dayton or Akron. No offense to them. But, I mean, it's got to be a blue blood job. It's got to be a top 25 job if you're going to consider leaving uh, one of the schools in this conference for another school because – you know, all the schools in this conference put a real emphasis on basketball. It's one of the best conferences in the country. And really, you know, if you look at the history of this conference over the last 20 years, there's just not a lot of coaching turnover because these are all really good jobs that each of these 10 coaches have in this conference. So on the local front here at Iowa State, there, there's been plenty of conversation and frustration inside the fan base about Steve Prohm. Second time in the last three years, they're going to miss the NCAA tournament this year. We saw it, what, uh, I guess it would have been about a decade back, where Greg McDermott left Iowa State knowing he was going to have to be a tournament team the following year, and he went and took the Creighton job when they were still in the MVC. Could there be a past Steve Prohm, something closer to home? He's a guy from the South that would make sense. It's not going to be a job of the stature of Iowa State, but knowing that there's going to be pressure on next year, could you see Steve Prohm in, in that way maybe take a look around? I think it's possible. I mean, it, it, again, it's going to depend on the job. I mean, if you're a Big 12 coach and you're thinking about moving to a school in the South, you're looking at the ACC or you're looking at the SEC. You're not looking at 
the Sun Belt or, or uh, anything like that. You're looking at those two conferences specifically, and I don't see a lot of – we had a lot of turnover in the SEC last year. I don't see a lot of turnover happening this year. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in the ACC, but uh, those jobs don't tend to turn over a whole lot. And, you know, I think I think Steve Prom has done a good job of recruiting. I think this year just a lot of things haven't come together, but he does face an interesting year next year in that he's losing a lot of players from this team. Tyrese Halliburton's probably going to the NBA. Um, he's got some recruits that haven't quite developed over the past couple of years that I think he has hoped they would develop in that way. You know, Zion Griffin specifically just has not developed, I think, the way he was hoping. Uh, so he's going to have to find some transfer guys to come in. He's going to have to uh, lean on the guys he's recruiting this year for next year, uh, next season, and, and hope that he can kind of put that together. The good news is, you know, they bounced back from that losing season uh, two seasons ago to win the Big 12 tournament last year. Uh, but that was probably a more talented team that did that from year to year than the one I'm seeing going from this year to next year. Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. Matt, just real quick, because I know that you uh, write for the Maven uh, covering the Cowboys um, as well. What's the Dak Prescott situation? And, and did Tua, I mean, Tua, that, that's his team, right? He's, he's, a, he's a cowboy. I think his dogs are <laughs> Star and I don't know the other one. It's another cowboy-related name. Um but what, what's, what's the latest with Dak Prescott? Will they tag him? Do they want to sign him? Is he a lock to be there next year? Yeah, I think he's a lock to be here next year. Stephen Jones basically said the other day he's our QB, and, and Stephen's the guy who's negotiating the contract. So I think it's really a, a numbers game at this point. They're at the Combine this week. I'm sure that uh, Jones and Prescott's agent will sit down if they have not done so already. Uh, during the week in Indianapolis and, and talk about that. The tag deadline, I think, has actually been pushed back a couple of days. I think it's now two Thursdays from now. I think it's that Thursday of the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. So there's a little more time for them to try and work it out. Uh, there's also the whole CBA thing going on right yeah. now. They're renegotiating the CBA, and the players are supposed to vote later this week. That could have a definite influence on you know when this gets done. But the Cowboys have made it very clear they have no intention of allowing Dak Prescott to hit the open market. Uh, if it's between him and Amari Cooper in terms of, you know, which player gets the franchise tag, it's going to be Dak Prescott. They, they're not talking about drafting a quarterback and grooming him in this draft. They're talking about keeping Dak Prescott for the next 10 years. Mm. C.D. Lamb, the first Big 12 player that will become off the board once we get to April? i got to think it is, right? Yeah, I think, I think he could help a lot of teams that are, are in need of a receiver, uh, that didn't make the playoffs last year. Uh, you know, he's, he's just such a great, great receiver. I, I think he's one of the most complete receivers I saw in person last year. And it's not to say he doesn't have things that he needs to work on, but I think he's one of the few receivers in this draft. And it's a really deep receiver sure draft. Is. I mean, there are guys like, you know, Jalen Rager yep. uh, going in the first round. There are guys like, uh, you know, K.J. Hill from Ohio State going mm-hmm. to the third round, some knock drafts I've seen. Uh, but, you know, he's one of the few guys I think that can step into an NFL team right away and make a contribution, a meaningful contribution to that team. Good stuff. Thank you, as always, Matt. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. Final timeout. We'll come back, wrap it up. A couple of Big Ten games tonight. Not bad. No, not a Minnesota, bad Minnesota-Maryland today. It's not bad. And what, to Rutgers at Penn State, or is it the other way around? The Rucker, it's at Penn State. There yes, you go. Yes. All right, we'll come back. We'll wrap up the program. Are you going to bet on your William Hill app or your DraftKings? Well, we'll see who's dealing the better numbers and go from there. Good to have options. Miller and Condon back after these. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106. Great bourbon whiskey.
Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Prime Miller and Condon wrapping up a Wednesday edition. Murph and Andy coming up at 2. The Fanatics at 4. Hawkeye Insider. Correct. 5 o'clock. Early tonight. Early tonight. So what are they, what's going on? Uh, Oh, Iowa State women. It has to be because I know Chris is is on the road. Yes. Um, And they're in Manhattan, I want to say. I think Chris landed in Manhattan. Hanging out in the Little Apple. I believe he is. Anyway, so uh, the Hawkeye Insider sh- uh, radio show from 5 to 6 tonight uh, on your uh, on your radio. All right, what's on your menu as far as wagering? You've got the DraftKings app. You've got the William Hill app. I do. Um, you're, you've got money in both accounts. So well, how, how closely will you, before you actually hit send or right. confirm... Um, how closely will you go back and forth? Will you shop? I will be shopping, but I mean, in a day, say like a Saturday, if I have time, I'll go in there and yeah, I'll kind of look back and forth and see if there's a difference. But, and there's so many times, honestly, all right, going to pick up Ella. It's about five <laughs> o'clock. Oh yeah. I wanted to make a couple of wagers. Uh, sitting in the parking lot at preschool and uh-huh. all right, here's the five games I'm going to fire at and I'll do it quickly. I, normally, because this is not a money-making adventure, adventure for me, I understand. Yeah, just do it to have a little action on the games that evening. But yeah, if I got time, I'll probably do some shopping. I will tell people right now. I just got a tweet from Tyler Durden on Twitter asking, what am I missing here? And it's a screenshot of the point spread of the Minnesota-Maryland game tonight. It's a pick em. Be careful. Minnesota needs to win, Trent. They do. Big time. It's a home team. Uh-huh. In the Big Ten. And home teams have been very good, although Maryland kind of was the first team to kind of buck Slow that it trend down, a yes. little bit. Uh, Maryland, they're looking ahead to Michigan State this Saturday That's night. A great one. Another angle to look at it. Just be careful. Those, there are no sure things. Right. Sounds like Tyler Durden's on the Terps. <laughs> yeah, certainly wanted to make the plunge. Yes, I, I think that is the direction there. I'm going to jump on a couple of ones I like. I think Evansville's getting too much up in the McLeod Center tonight. What is the number? 13 and a half. Okay. Seems on the hefty end of things there. So Panthers win, but don't cover. That's where I'm going there. I love uh, in the MVC also tonight, Southern Illinois laying two and a half against Indiana State. Indiana State's good. Not as good on the road. Really like this Southern team. They're going to clamp down. I'm going to lay the two and a half there. And then I'm going back to the home team. Rutgers can't win on the road. Mm. Penn State, I think due for a little bit of a bounce back here, going to lay the five. Bigger number, but lay the five with Penn State. So those are the three that I'm looking at for tonight. All right. Uh, good stuff there. Well, tomorrow we are going to uh, – Rob Doster will be here. He has Garza, his third candidate for player of the year. All right, Doster. We're going to take off the gloves tomorrow. Yeah, I was surprised. Does now, he even watch college basketball? <laughs> uh, Jeff Goodman has the right guy at number one, good, and, that, good. and that's Garza. Maybe we should get Goodman out instead. Yeah, we'll tell him that. Should, you know what? We should have some fun with Doster tomorrow. <laughs> Look forward to that. We're going to talk some a little bit of Iowa Wolves tomorrow uh-huh. at 1030. Uh, ben Jacobson scheduled to join the program at uh, 1045, so catch up with Ben Jacobson. That'll be our last conversation with him before the team heads to St. Louis. Uh, Drake is locked in. That was what, that was bad. You know, that disappoints me when, who laid that off? Layman, yeah. I thought that there was still a way that they could avoid Thursday night, but they're locked in. They are because of the net rankings and they are so far behind everybody. They're chasing Valpo, Indiana State, the teams that they could still tie for that position. It is a split in the regular season series with them. 
then number two tiebreaker. It's not what you did against the top teams or anything like that. And a win against UNA obviously would go a long ways. Unfortunately, though, not the case. It goes to net with that second mm. tiebreaker, and the Bulldogs way behind there. Well, Saturday will be fun. you got the Hawks mm-hmm. at 11, they got the Clones at 3, and then the Panthers and Bulldogs will... Do battle, and there were 500 tickets left yesterday for that game. So I'm okay. assuming there's not, five, well, it's, that's the hope, uh, that that number has shrunk significantly. Murph and Andy, two fanatics at four. The morning rush tomorrow at six. Trent and I at 10. 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.